on Saturday night, the kids will go through the neighborhood and collect candy, They'll come home with pillowcases full of candy. They're collecting the zombie scars and the fake blood and the color spray for their hair. It is an exciting time. I'm hoping for dark chocolate. Sometimes the kids get in that mix of candy. They get the little toys, the magnifying glass or the little compass. And my favorite is the little plastic tops. They're about that big. And you get them and you can twirl them, spin them, get them going so that they stand up straight and dance elegantly, elegantly there on the tabletop. And then it goes careening out of control pick it up and do it again. Some friends of ours came back from Vietnam a couple of years ago and gave the kids some tops. You got them spinning and they sang the Vietnamese Happy New Year song and lights went flashing all over the place and this got the dog barking and there was life in our house. Noisy, brilliant, light-fashing, dog-barking life in all its glory. Well, today Jesus offers us an invitation to life. Jesus invites us to life in all of its glory. He invites us to ask ourselves, what are we revolving around? What gives us energy? What makes us stand up straight and dance elegantly and come to life? The story that we have here is a healing story. Like many healing stories, someone comes to Jesus asking about how they can be more fully alive. Now the rich man believes he is able to inherit eternal life, just as he has inherited land, and he has inherited possessions. That's how you got wealthy in ancient Palestine. The family had money, and then you were able to tax the peasants who lived on your land and get more land. But life, in all of its glory, isn't just something that gets inherited. And you notice that Jesus adds a commandment to the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not defraud. There's something happening here in this story. But Jesus takes this as a healing story and says to him, Get up! Go! Sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor. Rectify your life. And then come and follow me on an adventure where you will know the fullness of life. Now, it's this particular story that when we hear it, I think that we all kind of make ourselves a little smaller 
because we're getting a little bit nervous and a little bit fearful, and we may want to shrink ourselves down so that perhaps we could get through the eye of the needle. But we get stuck in the eye of the needle, and we do all kinds of squirming to get ourselves out. It's a hard word because we all have possessions. We all have more possessions than most of the people in the world. And we got to wonder, is it bad that we have more than others? Is it just wrong? Are we supposed to feel guilty? Would it be the best thing to do to sell our homes, our cars, pick up everything, give everything away, and join a mission somewhere in a poverty-stricken country? Before we answer, let's step back to that question. Where do I find life? How can I be fully, eternally alive? Because eternal life is not just about heaven. It's about heaven on earth. About the kingdom of God in justice and peace and equity on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is asking us about our assumptions. The man, the rich man, is shocked that Jesus wouldn't just say, you're a good person, you're a successful person, you're in. And the disciples are shocked Because being the successful, the wealthy person just meant that you were especially loved by God. There is a value structure there that equates wealth with blessing. And if you're not wealthy, then you probably did something wrong. God certainly doesn't love you as much as the wealthy man. Look at it. And while we, in our culture, know, well, that's not right, think about it. Our success and our happiness and our joy is tied up with how much we're able to do and where we're able to go and how maybe how big our cars are. And we believe that that Wealth is a blessing. And we live in this consumer culture that reinforces that all the time. It's a culture that wants us to get more and more and more because it's a culture of scarcity and fear. You don't have enough. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. You think you have enough, and then there's an upgrade And you can't use what you have because it's changed and now the upgrade won't work and you have to get the next. It's always, always not enough. And we live and we want to look out for ourselves because there might not be enough. And this turns us inward 
Jesus invites us to take a different look at our lives and to recenter our lives in a fundamental belief and understanding of abundance. Jesus comes to us and says, think about the generosity of God. Look at the world around you. God's love is for the poor and the rich. God's blessings are for the poor and those who hunger for justice. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who try to make peace, blessed are those who are seeking God's kingdom of plenty for everyone. Jesus comes at us with a conviction that God's love is eternal. And in that, we find our eternal life. That God gives us enough. That God gives all of the world together enough for everyone to have enough. And Jesus shows us this, for when Jesus shows up, debts are forgiven. And stolen goods are returned. And mercy overflows any self-righteousness And thousands eat by sharing a little. And everyone has enough. So let's go back. Are we supposed to feel bad that we have money? Or just shut down and not listen to the scripture passages in which Jesus is very direct about money? The more helpful question than should we feel guilty is the question that God asks us. Can you see all that you have? Can you glory in the goodness and how fortunate you have been? Can you see all of the good and, yes, blessings that God has shed upon you? And how can you make the world a better place through what you have? Who doesn't have enough? And how can you change that? What are the structures that perpetuate inequality? What are the policies that keep income so greatly divided, that wealth gap? How can we make a difference? That's the kingdom of God. That, says Jesus, is what makes us truly come to life. When our center is spinning with the more and more and more and more, and we get caught up in taking the girls to the shopping mall and going to Aeropostale, and getting them one more shirt because it is really cute on them, even though they have more shirts than can fit in their drawer. How easy it is for us to go careening off and our lives revolving 
around that never enough, never enough, never enough. That spinning top that we played with at the beginning, the fun of it is that when it falls, you pick it up and you get it going again. And you see if you can get it going longer. And it falls and the dog chases after it and you go get it and you get it spinning again. It's just as important to find it and get it and put it back. It's that choice to begin again. To live in Christ our center. Love, generosity, abundance, joy, possibility, creativity is the life centered in Jesus Christ. A couple of weeks ago in our staff meeting, our executive administrator went to her first football game in the United States. Now, most of you know that M.A. and her husband, Innocent, and son, Vina, are from Madagascar. And even though they've lived in the United States for many years, M.A. and Innocent had never been to a honest-to-goodness American pigskin-passing football game. So, they had had a busy day, and they were running around getting things for their house, and they said, we'll just get something to eat at the ball game. They sell food in the stadium. We'll get something to eat. So as they were walking from their car in the parking lot towards the stadium, they saw all these food trucks, and there were so many of them. And so they went around and started looking at what each food truck had, and there were some really delicious-looking, smelling hamburgers. So M.A. took out her money, and she went up to the person cooking the hamburgers and said, how much for your hamburgers? And the guy looked at her like, what? And she said, I want to buy a hamburger. And he said, what? I want a hamburger. How much do they cost? And he looked at her and said, these are, these, you can't buy these. These are free. Come. Join the party. Have a hamburger. Have a soda. Have some chips. There's enough. And this is how M.A. and Innocent learned about tailgating. It's a symbol of the kingdom of God. You can't buy it. There's plenty. Come and join us. There's enough. So it's stewardship time, and everybody needs to make their pledge. This year we've set a goal, a specific goal, of what we need to continue the ministries and make that kingdom of God here in what ways God has called us to serve. It's the 1,185,000, and we have plenty in our congregation. We can do it. The average pledge for our congregation is around $4,000. If everybody gave $2,000, we'd meet our goal. We know that for some people, that's just not possible. And for other people, that's not going to make much of a 
difference. When we think about how much to give, I like to remember Bob James, a member in another congregation who would stand up and say, you've heard it said, give till it hurts. And he would say, I say give until it feels good. And what he meant by that was give until your life is just recentered in that abundance of God's love and grace and possibility and plenty. And give to support the congregation that you come to week after week to get recentered in that that gives life. Come and support the place where we practice letting God spin our tops so we can light up and sing and be elegant, full of life, giving glory to God. Amen.